Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam. And you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was bluer than a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the cold world, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundromat was my sanctuary. That arcade was my church. Hey everybody, Todd Mitchell here. Welcome back to Game Dev Breakdown, where we break down game devs and see what's inside. That's not really what we do. What we are going to do, at least this time, is I have a weird story that has some nice points in it just like jesus used to do the the thing is i've been trying something new which is to sort of leverage linkedin because i heard from several people like linkedin is the great social network that everyone is missing and you're you're leaving engagement on the table if you don't do that i feel very strongly at this point that those people are lying because um, I've heard this from several people. I've heard this from people I really know, and then people I only like Twitter know. Like, I mentioned Gary Vee on occasion because he's a smart guy, he's a successful guy, and I try to learn things from him, but also people I know who are like, yeah, I get on LinkedIn, I share what I do, and it's just some bonus exposure, and people check it out, and it's it's great. Uh, so I'm putting lots of game dev breakdown content and code write play content on LinkedIn, and it's... Um, It's kind of a mixed bag. It's kind of like Twitter, but everyone's a little more professional. But what I've noticed is, and what I did not expect is, people will still say whatever they want to you on LinkedIn. They will not hesitate. I don't know if they're convinced no one's going to pay attention to it, or you know, if you comment on someone else's thing, it's not like your network's people are going to notice that. I don't think that's true, but nonetheless, uh, you will get into debates on LinkedIn, and I've... (laughs) Managed to do it several times already. So the game dev tag on LinkedIn is, it's relatively quiet. There aren't that many people following it. It's full of kind of pointless advertising. People put their games up and it's like, so what? You know, publishers aren't cruising LinkedIn looking for games to to pick up. Executives in the industry are god awful with the stuff they post. You can tell they're like idea people looking for free labor and stuff. I've got this great idea. I just need a team full of programmers, you know? So it's, it's that stuff you kind of hate to see. And we're not on Twitter. So there, there isn't a legion of people shouting that down. Engagement and conversion is terrible on LinkedIn. Ain't no one clicking through your links to go to your website or to your other content on LinkedIn. They're not leaving the site. It's just not happening. So like Gary V says it's great and very, very successful for him. Everything is successful for Gary V. For one thing, that's who he is. He makes it work. But for another thing, there's kind of this influencer bias. I'm sure like Instagram models also think every bed and breakfast and hotel is fantastic too. Whereas the rest of us would go in there. We'd have, first of all, we'd have to pay for our meals and our room and everything. And then they would also probably not be nearly as nice to us. I think influencer types on social media, first of all, there's no real reason to sort of take them at their word on things anyway, but also I don't think they're experiencing real life the way the rest of us are. They're just sort of getting free stuff and hoping people will say nice things about their business. So that's not real life. The big strategy for these executive types and people who want to be influencers on LinkedIn and game dev and anything else, there's this funny recipe. Find any article about your industry, share it, provide off-the-cuff commentary, and if you're someone who wears a suit to work and hires and fires people, 
everybody's going to rush to that and provide really basic no shit commentary and call you a genius. Because of course, because they would like to work for you. Or if they already work for you, they would like to work for you in a better, higher paying job. So people like Gary Vee just aren't saying what is real. I, I guess to be fair, trying to do my own version of this, I was going and trying to comment on things in the game dev tag and interact with people, try to connect with folks. I saw something tagged like every related game dev tag. And this was an article called the 900 pound, not weight pound, but like Great Britain pound, the 900 pound bill from my child's Roblox gaming. And this was from um, from a writer named Rachel Davies from thetimes.co.uk. This was a game industry executive, I was guessing at the time, who was just posting something from the Times. And you could tell the gist of this article was it was one of these stories where someone let their kid hang out on the iPad and didn't pay attention. And that child ran up a gigantic bill in their game. This one happened to be Roblox. By now, we've all seen a version of this, right? This has come up on the podcast. This has come up on the website. Everyone has seen, like, everyone knows about the funny one where, like, this this lady is like, my kid spent all this money on FIFA, and he doesn't even care about this stuff, but the kid's got this, like, soccer jersey on, and of course he did. You know, of course he did what, what she said he did not do. So, I mean, these are no big deal. This happens all the time. A lot of the time, these parents get this refunded, especially if it goes out in the news. It's not the biggest thing in the world. It's a good reminder to parent. That's a verb. You need to parent if you have a kid. But other than that, we, we see these things come and go. So I was like, why is a game industry executive or a game industry person posting this? So <laughs> I take a look at this article. For, for one thing, it's behind a paywall. I did not do like there are tricks you can use to get around those paywalls. I didn't do that because I'm not interested in paying. So I don't need to read your stuff. That's fine. But you could easily get the idea behind this article. So I looked at this and (laughs) it opens up with, I guess it's written from the perspective of the mother who this happened to. And she says, I'm generally against online gaming, but, you know, and the gist of it is pandemic, pandemic. I let my kids do whatever they want. And uh, somehow it's backfired. So the parents have like three kids. One or both of the parents are at home. It wasn't clear. And she decides to let like an eight-year-old play Roblox. Okay, there are kids playing Roblox. I got no problem with that. The eight-year-old apparently had not realized that the in-game money costs real-world money. And I guess for like multiple months, she just went on just burning through real money in Roblox. Now, we'll talk about why that's weird. For one thing, spending real money on an iPad is not simple. Like, you know, this a lot of, and on the Android side, it's the same thing. I've got, I've got both kinds of devices at the very minimum. You're required to have a password. Sometimes it uses facial recognition. It's not the simplest thing to spend money in an app or in a game. It's not like dead simple. I don't even know how, I don't know how easily you can turn all of that off. So it would just be like automatic, like they're describing here. It's not the simplest thing, as you know. You not only have to be not paying attention, but you have to go out of your way to set up the iPad in like the worst possible way. And if you've got multiple children, why would you ever do this unless you wanted to write a big feature article for the Times, right? I'm sorry, the pandemic requires more parenting and not less. I'm a parent. That'll come up here shortly. 
I think you have to start a family expecting the apocalypse. Too many people start a family expecting like family photo day that they see other people do on Facebook. But no one goes into this like, would I be a good parent even if tomorrow started World War III? That's re- I mean, I'm not kidding. You really have to expect, like, could I be a good parent and step up the way I need to if tomorrow was going to be the worst day in the history of humanity? Really? Because with the pandemic, we probably weren't too far off, at least in our lifetime. We've had some terrible stuff going on. So, I mean, you know, food shortage scares, nationwide lockdowns and stuff. It's been scary. It's scary for a kid. It's scary for adults. And it's not that it's like, well, it, it is life-threatening. But but the point is, it's not all smiles and sunshine when you're a parent. So I feel like too many people like set themselves up for failure, have one or two kids more than they're able to adequately uh keep tabs on. I'm not directly accusing this woman of anything, but in general, I think there's a societal issue where people spread themselves too thin. You know, everybody has different capacity, but stay within those limits, right? If there's a pandemic and you've got multiple children, okay, fine. Give them tablets or whatever. You got to know what's going on. Here's another issue I have with this. And this is something I, I hint at in the show notes. Anytime you hear someone use the words, my child, Quote, my child. And, and you, in your head, you can always read it like the 900 pound bill from my child's Roblox gaming. Here's what happened to my child. That's emotionally manipulative. That's not normal speech. Nobody. OK, the only people who walk around saying like my child are, you know, Karen, who's angry and wants to talk to the manager about something that happened at daycare. Like you're automatically trying to appeal to this emotional part of someone that a lot of people don't have. Those of you who are not parents, you don't give a shit when someone says my child. I don't blame you. I have a child and I don't care when other people say my child. I don't say my child to other people. It's nonsense. Why are we trying to make someone feel bad before the the paragraph even (laughs) begins? When you hear my child, you're always hearing some attempt to manipulate you. And this, this article is just media sensationalism. The idea here is everybody come pay to read this article because there is a new threat to the family and your bank account and they are preying on your child. Instead of us getting to dismiss this, I have to go, why did this game industry executive post this and why has he added to it? In his post, he goes, I'm paraphrasing and jumping around, but in the, in the post, it says over 70% of all games revenue comes from in-app purchases. Artificial intelligence developed by PhDs are extracting your hard-earned money. And more often, they're targeting your kids. And one of the, and this is all from like LinkedIn discussion at this point, but one of the commenters go, game designers are exploiting kids for insane profit. And this is part of a, a larger rant that this dude goes on. And I'm like, now I'm, now I'm set off like twice because I'm like, game designers? Game designers are seeking to strictly design compelling experiences and not get fired. You know, game designers who aren't soloists, they don't even think about revenue. Like, that's not on their plate at all. They're designing one thing, and then they're designing the next thing. Like, the the primary drive to design something, other than just appreciating the art form that is design, is, like, you want to not piss everyone off. Do the best job you can so you can keep your job, and that's it. I mean, more, more to the initial point, marketing targets kids everywhere, not just games. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of a bullcrap argument that like, well, this uses fancy AI and blah, 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 which is 
uh, sort of mixed truth at best. They're, they do every once in a while you'll hear of like Activision hired some consultant to think about blah, blah, blah. And they patented some methodology. Well, yes, we all understand Activision is doing stuff to try to manipulate people out of their money. We get that. I don't think their primary customer is eight years old. I think we all know a little better than that. Eight-year-olds don't generally have credit cards. Furthermore, if anyone is exploiting people, it is, of course, those publishers. No reason to talk game designers. Well, I, I read through all this, and, like, by this point, I couldn't keep my mouth shut, right? I didn't care if I was on LinkedIn or Twitter or the local church's website or whatever. Enjoy basketball, soccer, and all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code CAPITAL and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Plus, when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CAPITAL and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Like, I was going to run my mouth off at this point. I just couldn't help myself. You guys know me. You know how I operate. So I said, uh, hey, there is no path from publisher to child where a parent doesn't have ample opportunity to intervene. And I left it at that. I thought, I shouldn't have said that. And I went off into the sunset. I didn't care. <laughs> just without a care in the world. I didn't think, think anything of it for like a day or two. The next day, the author comes back and says, hey, how would parents react to that? Do you think it wouldn't still trust? And that pissed me off. You probably heard that and thought, that shouldn't piss you off. But this pissed me off. The biggest knee jerk I had here was I was mad because, like, he said, how would parents react to that? mf -er, I am a parent. So I said, hey, this is not hypothetical for me. I take care of a five-year-old full-time, and I recognize my responsibility to know exactly what I'm handing him and what he can do with it. And if I don't know about it, he doesn't get it. And I thought, now I've really, now, now I'm fighting with someone. This is stupid. But I walked around for a minute. We were in the backyard hanging out, doing something silly outside. And uh, <laughs> the more I got to thinking about it, the more I thought, you know, he, he was not explicitly saying, I don't believe you're a parent. So I said, why don't I go back and address the real point? So I said, to put a finer point on this, and, and actually my, my stronger philosophy here is, you're asking, would that instill trust? There is no reason for parents to trust publishers. There is no reason for anyone to trust publishers. And I say that as an independent publisher. It's irresponsible if parents or consumers do. Trust equals letting your guard down. Now again, I have published software. I have published software for kids and for adults. I publish articles. I publish podcasts. I hope no parent lets any kid anywhere near anything I create without looking at it first. Some of it with good reason. But I mean, even even the, the educational kids app I made, I hope no kid is is getting that straight from their parents without the parent taking a look. That could be anything. You know, Apple has a review process. So does everyone else. But it's not infallible. We've all got examples of that. Look at the weirdness on the YouTube kids thing from a year or two ago. There are weird things that sneak under the radar and it does not take much to F up a kid. 
it's like a luxury vehicle. Like it's fantastic, but you can you can mess it up pretty easy, right? Probably that that example should be the other way around. If you get a fancy car, you should be like, this is like a kid. It wouldn't be hard to mess this up. So then at this point I go, I guess I do need to actually pay some attention to who I'm speaking with at this point, just in case this goes into a full blown, like, you know, duke it out argument. So here's where it gets a little, a little bit funny. I, I look at his title and he's a key executive at Intellivision, which is a very large company. <laughs> was a very large company in the past, went away for a long time, and it's coming back now. So I'm apparently arguing with a key executive from Intellivision. And so to make myself feel better, I thought like, eh, so what? You know, just random dudes get promoted to uh, positions like this. How do I know this guy's interesting at all? And then I <laughs> I looked further into him, and he is a uh, Formula Drift champion, a Porsche Cup race champion. He's ranked nationally on the U.S. archery team. <laughs> And I'm like, all right, so he's an athlete. He may not be that cool. Well, he hangs out with Tommy Tallarico, who was an icon back in the day. Like, I grew up a huge fan of Tommy Tallarico. If you don't know why he's an icon, he was huge back in the G4 days. He was like on-air talent. He's a huge game industry uh, musical composer. He's like a, a rock music wizard. And he worked on like Metroid Prime and all these cool games back in the day. Like he's done this iconic work. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's a given because he's working with Intellivision. And Tommy Tallarico is tied to Intellivision coming back. Uh, at least that's where the cool stuff stops about this guy. You're not so great. And then I, <laughs> I find out he appeared on an episode of Jay Leno's Garage. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, so what? I'm just joking myself at this point. I'm like, ah, so what? So you went on this show and Jay Leno kicked your ass in a race. No, he kicked Jay Leno's ass. <laughs> this man is better than me is the point. He he is better than me. But so, you know, my, my point kind of still stands. I go, why? Why? I played my favorite game. Why is this person saying this? Well, okay. So any executives does this influencer strategy stuff and they want to be praised. They want people to come in and go like, okay, you're a thought leader. That's fantastic. I'm a fan of you. I don't fault him for doing that. I'm kind of on LinkedIn doing the same thing. I want my content to have a chance to, to reach an audience. So it's a little bit different and I think it's a little more genuine, but ultimately we're out here trying to get eyeballs on our, you know, the stuff we make. So fine. But I also feel like he wants to help create this boogeyman that the media is trying to construct. And, and so the question becomes, why do that? Well, I believe that a lot of executives from the game industry want to sort of create this big imminent threat because they sort of sense that this might be somewhere like loot boxes and in-app purchases and stuff. I think they sense there's a danger that the government might step in the way we were concerned they were going to way back during the console wars in the 90s. And we thought, okay, there may be an issue where the government has to rate games a certain way. And, you know, you can't launch your game till it goes through this government government oversight program or whatever. So they wanted to like self-regulate, right? So they formed the ESRB. They started doing those ratings you see on all the boxes. I think what we're seeing now is executives are catching a whiff of that and they smell this opportunity, you know, either threat or an opportunity, either there's going to be government oversight at some point or there's an opportunity to do more self-regulation. And to an extent, self-regulation presents an opportunity for a power grab, right? You know, the, the ones who step up and go, why don't we construct this panel? 
well, then you guys call the shots for the whole industry. I don't think that's too much of a stretch to wonder if people who are talking about this don't see that on the horizon. So he'd, he'd probably like to step up and regulate. I can't be sure. I don't know he's got that on his mind. But why doesn't television want to regulate publishers? Well, so I, I didn't know much about what Intellivision's up to. So I looked up this upcoming console they're, they're doing. Um, I forget the name of it right now, but they've got a console coming up. It sounds a little bit like the OUYA to me because it sounds like it's Android-based and Linux-based. And I don't know if we're just seeing another version of that. I looked at a list of launch titles already, and there, uh, there's some interesting stuff there, including a game called Earthworm Jim 4. And if you don't know about the Earthworm Jim games, you owe it to yourself. Go back, check out some of the originals, first couple of games. They're very funny. You know, they're, they're well animated. They're kind of comic booky style, far out stuff. And uh, very funny games. Check them out sometime if you haven't. Earthworm Jim 4 is coming up. It's created by Doug Tinnapel, who made the originals, who is a very controversial person on Twitter, who will say anything to anyone. But who is publishing that? Why, it's in television. It looks to me like Intellivision is setting themselves up like a Sony or a Microsoft where they're going to manage this hardware, this new console, but they're also going to publish some first-party stuff. Well, isn't that interesting? So maybe now it is kind of um, suspicious that their executives would be out there going, here's what's coming for publishers, and here's how we can make people trust publishers, and here's how we can self-regulate as publishers. Okay, let's all settle down, Turbo. I know that he looked at my initial comment on his post as, you know, hey, we're all in the game industry here. There shouldn't be any regulation. There shouldn't be self-regulation or any other kind of regulation. What I was actually saying was parents need to do the parenting and parents should never, nor should anyone, be out here just randomly trusting publishers. Publishers are not interested in our well-being. If they say they are, they are lying. There's no reason for publishers to care about us other than our ability to hand over money. Now, that's very pessimistic, but that is the outlook that protects me from publishers and protects my kid from publishers. I'm sorry that you're never going to create a company that makes me go, well, those good old people at Intellivision came out with a product. Come here, son. You tell me how it is. Nope. That's bad parenting. And this is one of those things where even if every last parent in the world does that and goes, tell me if there's anything weird in here, that's still the wrong thing to do. If I'm the only person doing it right, I'm not concerned about that in the slightest. I will continue to do it right. I will continue to strongly suggest you do it that way. I will tell anyone within the sound of my voice, don't trust a publisher, including me. I'm going to publish all kinds of things. Look at it very carefully if you think about handing it off to your kid. It was kind of funny that I found myself in a little bit of a debate with a key executive at, in television this week because of stupid LinkedIn and because of stupid Todd not paying attention to uh, the job title of the person who I was mouthing off to. But I still think we wandered into a couple of important points to make. There are things here worth thinking about. Check out that article. Probably soon there'll be spinoff articles that sort of give it away. If you haven't heard about any of these things, there's also an upcoming lawsuit in Canada. Uh, I think it's against, what, Fortnite? It's against some, so it would be against Epic, but it's against somebody for like, you designers are intentionally making these games addictive. 
now that we've got documentation about game addiction, now everyone goes, you evil designers, or it's, it's like we're cooking digital meth. It's not that, right? Like, okay, first of all, maybe I'm a bad designer because I don't know about some sort of magical hypnosis code we can put it in our games, but I'm pretty sure the truth is that that's nonsense. You can make an argument that the game loop itself acts on the brain in a certain way, but again, as I bring up every time, baseball does that, studying and doing well on a test does that, throwing a disc in a basket, believe me, that's a lot of fun. There are many, many things that have that exact same chemical effect in your brain. That's how your brain works. That's what makes you happy. You like to be happy, don't you? I do too. If you enjoy Game Dev Breakdown, and why wouldn't you, right? What don't we have here? I would love if you would subscribe somewhere. You have no idea what a difference that makes when people subscribe and the episodes go out automatically. If you like it at all and you want to be up to speed on it in any way, go ahead and subscribe. Consider dropping a rating or a review if you're on the Apple side. If you're on Spotify, hit that shiny follow button. There are uh, somewhat detailed show notes at CodeWritePlay.com. We have a Discord server that I can uh, send you the link on social, or you can find that at CodeWritePlay.com as well. Search for Discord. It'll pop right up. And uh, join us on social media, Twitter especially, where we have the at GameDevPod account. That's for GameDevBreakdown. CodeWritePlay for the website. And me, I am MechaToddzilla, 1D, 2Ls. And I'm, I love hearing from you all. So feedback, topics, questions, concerns, any of that, I'm around. Y'all work hard this weekend, make me proud, and I will talk to you very soon. Congratulations on your game dev breakdown, whatever that is. Sounds idiotic to me. Mm-hmm.